Hello and welcome to the Rev It Up Podcast, helping entrepreneurs fill up their tanks, crank up the RPMs, and put the pedal to the metal until they cross that finish line. Hello, I'm Jess Tiffany. Ready, set, go. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rev It Up Podcast. Super excited to have everybody here today. I have an amazing guest today, uh, Martin Mangello. Um, Eat Jello on Monday, it says on his profile, so you can remember his name. And uh, he is a story weaver, intoxicating his audiences by stage and television across the world, a mesmerizing speaker. He's published nine books, 200 plus papers, and given over 100 speeches. Um, and uh, he's met the all the presidents and all, everybody you can think of. He's an absolutely amazing guest and super excited to have him here with us. And welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Uh, wishing everybody a wonderful January. Absolutely. And before we get too far on the show, I always like to give you the opportunity to let us know about uh, where to find you online and what would be like the best uh, best way to reach out to you if a person wanted to. Yeah, really just um, I live on LinkedIn. So Martin C.J. Mangello, MBA on LinkedIn. Um, I sometimes get as many as 50 to 75 instant messages. I do answer them all um, every day. And otherwise, main website is uh, theinofthepatriots.com. So uh, please pop in anytime you want. Enjoy our TV shows. And people just love them. Excellent. Well, um, I want to thank you for being a veteran. And uh, it looks like you've been, was it about 30 years? Yeah, yep. 30-year retired certificate. Very lucky. Fantastic. That's awesome. And if you could tell us a little bit about, um, you know, how you got into the, uh, the, the, the restaurant industry and getting your MBA and, and how you've uh, become a who's who in the world of uh, culinary. Yeah. So um, one thing I feel very lucky about is, uh, of course, returning home with all my fingers and toes. And that's pretty much how I tried to send every kid back to their parents from the military, whether they were with us on a ship for four years or, or 14 years. Um, that was my big goal. And so I always loved the Navy and knew that as a youngster because we would go to the beach, the shore house. We had two homes, um, one in Philadelphia and one on the shore. So we would go there every year. And that was, uh, you know, kind of summer vacation. Dad would drop you off at the end of school in June. And then you'd have about three months there. But to, to pay for my high school was a private Christian school. I needed to work all summer long and save up the money for what was a, a massive tuition. So usually for young folks, you know, you're either going to be a, a server or you're going to work in the back of the house. Um, those are the kinds of jobs we can get, uh, you know, doing the newspapers during the school year. Um, on my bicycle or with a shopping cart, because sometimes I would take on three routes. Mm. You know, those are things during the year. But for the summer, just work in a restaurant all summer long. So um, I got really lucky in one of them, an Italian restaurant, Luciano's North Italian Cuisine. Um, there we had three Culinary Institute of America graduates who worked there under Lance Bacchia who was the son of Luciano, Luciano Bacchia. So, <laughs> so I, I learned a lot and uh, they used to mess with me and turn the clock back and stuff to try and keep me an extra hour or two. And then 
you'd realize like, what is going on? It's like eight o'clock at night, you know, and you keep looking at the clock and the whole kitchen would explode laughing um, at the little kid. But I was really talented. And so that's why they would trick me like that and keep me in the restaurant. So becoming a chef, becoming a cook, you know, starting at the age of four cooking, um, it really was in my blood. It's something I love doing. So I figured, you know, why fight it? And you're at the beach, you love sailing, boating. My family always owned a boat or a sailboat, which the kids all pitched in for. So I figured, hey, you know, um, boating, cooking <laughs> could be a chef in the Navy. So um, that's what I that's what I signed up for. And uh, 30 years later, you know, I went in when I was 18. I retired um, after 21 years active duty wow. and then did nine more years in active reserve. And then you finally get your 30 year retired certificate. So wow. um, I'm all done with that. And uh, I often say I'm all done with that. So <laughs> uh, when I got out, honestly, um, you know, the thing I wanted to do was use the post 9-11 GI Bill because mm. my my dream was to go to college like other children had. So a lot of my friends, that's what they did when they were 18. They went off to college and, you know, built companies and businesses and careers. And so I, I always say I'm a bit of a reverse student of life. You know, I had a first child with my wife. I was 45. Um, other other friends, their kids had already left the house. Yeah. They were like, what are you doing? Oh, my gosh, you're going to be a dad at 45. I'm like, well, look, Steve Martin's 70, and he just became a dad. So I don't think I'm that bad. There you, know, you go. <laughs> Bridget Nielsen had a child at 60, so I don't think I'm doing that bad, okay? I mean, my goodness. But, you know, that that's what led me to get my second master's degree and my culinary school degree from the Art Institute. Okay. And for the master's, I used my post 9-11 to go to Lenore Rhine University in Hickory, North Carolina. So um, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Wow. I started out as a dishwasher. That was my first job. My first job too. Yeah. Yeah. Then they moved you up to food prep. Yes, food prep. You know, Hey, can you do like some some eggplant and do it in the eggs and the breadcrumb? And you stand here, you know, you're like you're like 15. You stand here and you do five sheet pans of this. Yep. Yep. Like, yeah, sure, I can do that. <laughs> yep. Uh, humble beginnings, though. Um, well, how did you get from there to now? You know, serving presidents and celebrities and just uh, the, the who's who of the entire uh, the world, really. Yeah, so I was always very difficult to deal with, and I told my captain every time I was up for re-enlistment, I'm going to go on job interviews, I'm going to do due diligence, I'm going to gin up a resume and see what's available out there in the market. Well, I think the first time you do that in the Navy, they're like, oh, he's a young kid. When you do it the second time, they start to get angry. When you're a chief petty officer and you're out and you're not exactly sure you want to be a lifer dog, they start to get pissed off. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's like, I mean, you're a chief. You should know that you're staying for the 20, not talking about getting out at 10. Or So literally by threatening people, I guess, subliminally, I told them I was going to get out. 
my captain on the USS Asheville told me there's no way the Navy's going to lose you at the eight-year mark. I mean, you're doing all these private dinners in the Admiral's homes. Oh, wow. You're carving 300-pound blocks of ice with chainsaws for changes of commands. <laughs> you're doing four-foot-long, three-dimensional edible cakes with mountains and trains driving around on them. And, oh, wow. you know, there, there's no way you're doing garbanjar with flowers and there's no way. So I was like, well, Captain, I mean, I got to tell you, I'm pretty bored and I'm sorry for being such a pain in the, in the neck. Um, I know there's a lot of, of people in the military. They're mostly introverts, ISTJ. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look at them on the Kiersey Temperament Sorter or the Myers-Briggs, yep. they're ISTJ introverts. I was always an ENFJ. I was always the guy that had too much to say and was very extroverted and so you know he said no you're not a pain in the neck but what we are going to do is we have a special place where we send people like you i was like <laughs> sounds ominous that doesn't sound very good <laughs> he's like no it's presidential duty i can put you in for it um you see if you can get through the interview wow okay you're going to be interviewed by three people in a row one day and then it'll be up to your family and they'll take you out. So I was naturally like, well, what does my family have to do with it? And he said, well, really everything when it comes to being bribed to put something in the president's drink oh. or to use a needle, you know, in the chicken breast or spray some crap all over a bunch of the salads because you've gotten yourself in financial trouble or, you know, legal or criminal or you know maybe you just made a mistake maybe when they asked you would you like eighty thousand and tens in a duffel bag that was a very small duffel bag in the men's room you said yes mm. you said yes and now you've been taking it and receiving it for a year mm. and you get a margin call it's time for you to meet us and we're going to give you a spray bottle to spray on the salads during a state dinner oh, wow. and don't do all of them but just hit like you know, 10 or 12, you know, and, uh, you know, then get out of there because it's going to be strict nine or something. Um, so this is all what they're concerned about with your family. Yeah. You know, what kind of family history do you have and what kind of trouble and, and criminal elements are you involved in or could bring pressure yeah. against the person very close to the president in his home, in his bedroom, um, in his living room, because the, the job that I did was, it was great. You know, I was a chef at night, but you also have to be a housekeeper, a bartender, a military aide, um, you're a valet, and, you know, you're doing other duties like a shopper. Okay. So you're going out and buying all the food, and then you're preparing it. But you're not done at eight o'clock like the White House chef. You You have to become the bartender now until... Well, it's two in the morning. They're still talking, you know. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're out there talking. They're, they're reviewing possible strike options, maybe 50 to 80 Tomahawk land attack missiles onto the target. They're, they're reviewing a lot of options. They're, they might go till three in the morning. So wow. somebody's got to be there. You know, hey, bring, I've had them say, like, we're going to need sandwiches and stuff and coffee. And it's like, it's, oh, wow, it's 3.30 in the morning. Yeah. Holy heck. So <laughs> wow. somebody's got to do that work and be able to be trusted. 
And you definitely want to investigate that person's entire family. Yeah. It makes, makes total sense. Very cool. So, so you've worked with the Trubs, the Bushes, the Clintons, kind of the Obamas, all of them. Um, which one's the best dinner guest? Let's get that out there. Competition. So, so it's always going to be, and, and this is kind of funny. Um, it's always going to be Joe Biden now <laughs> because <laughs> Joe Biden's Parmesan chicken over rigatoni with red sauce, you know, that's a fantastic dish to serve to anybody. <laughs> a big bubble was hilarious. He was a very affable guy. Um, he would always come into the kitchen and hang out with me. And, and honestly, Biden, I started working with him on childhood hunger issues in 1994. Oh, wow. So, I mean, I think he's been running for president, they said, trying for over 40 years to get his way there. You know, so. Yeah. I was uh, like, uh, I was. Uh, so, so who was the guy that came back in the back and talked to you, he said? Always Clinton would come into the kitchen and hang out with you. He'd watch TV with you. He'd talk with you and, you know, just, just was, was, you know, kind of intimidating and emasculating at the same time to where okay. in the beginning you were scared to death because it was like, is he not going to leave? I mean, he's sitting there watching TV with us. <laughs> oh, hey, there's Richard Gere. Um, I just was with him in Laguna Beach. He's such a nice guy. Have you ever met Richard Marty? I was like, no, sir. I've never met Mr. Gear, Mr. President. Um, so that's kind of you know you're over there like doing the carrots and trying not to cut your fingers off and stuff, you know. But he would, and you know, Hillary scared me to death one night. She showed up with a full green face. The only thing you could see was for the cucumbers. But it was like you know she was in her bathrobe because you're in their house. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, oh, first lady. She she laughed, you know, and she said, well. You and Matt, Matthew, Matthew Elsie was our valet in the home. Okay. She said, you guys can leave early tonight. And I told Matt to have the vodka and everything to do, you know, drinks here. So that was when you knew that it was time to, to go. Cause mommy and daddy were going to have some alone time. So, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. It, it, these are the kinds of stories you don't see uh, anywhere out in public. It's kind of fun to hear the, the backside. No. No. So, oh, that's awesome. So, um, no, are you still, are you still actively cooking for them or um, are you working on your own stuff there? No, the last time, um, you know, I went up to the white house was I was invited by the Obamas to come and talk about veterans issues. Oh, right. And I did a bunch of other work with the president, um, including uh, when they opened up the utility for Facebook um, directly into the White House. I was inside the, the first three Facebook messages to the president of the United States. So that was a new thing that Mark Zuckerberg started. Yeah. Um, and that really was issue about veterans uh, VA home loans. Okay. Where we're having some problems with the VA home loan program is uh, virtually forbidden to be using for a veteran that wants to have a business in their home. Mm. So it's still a very difficult problem in the United States. And, you know, today, I mean, there's a lot of people who, honestly, I don't know a person who's not doing a second job, um, Mona V juice or selling Tupperware or, or doing something like a, you know, auto repair in the back or, or lawnmower repair 
Um, sometimes ladies have a little hair salon down in the basement, mm, yeah. um, one or two chairs and, you know, people do other stuff. They sell herbal life. They, you just get talking with somebody and find out what they're doing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that's real common, especially, especially now. So um, yeah, the gig economy and all that stuff, people drive for Uber, Lyft. Um, they do all types of stuff absolutely. and really the VA home loan, um, it needs to change. Yeah. Oh, it's good to know. Um, so I want to jump back over to uh, a little bit um, about your current operations. Um, so it sounds like you're doing a lot of TV uh, shows. Um, you kind of yes. have, you have a museum going and all the stuff um, in Grover, North Carolina. And could you tell me a little bit more about what you, your daily operations and what you do and, and how that works? Yeah, so this is really the town named after the president, Grover Cleveland, and uh, a very unique individual. I know President Trump has mentioned he's going to try and pull a Grover Cleveland. So um, the number of hits on the web to Grover, North Carolina, and for Grover Cleveland um, made several newspapers, the, the web traffic, because Grover is actually the only president in the United States history ever to serve um, two terms non-consecutively. Oh, okay. Also the only person ever to win the popular vote three times in a row. Wow. So this is what President Trump has talked about. He'll, he'll take the loss, but he's going to come back and run again and pull a Grover Cleveland. Well, our town is named after Grover Cleveland. And, <laughs> and my wife and I, we decided, um, what if we opened up like a presidential museum you contact all the presidents that you know. Um, you've got all these letters and awards from them. And, you know, and maybe they'll send us more stuff from the presidential foundations, which they have. Cool. So we could put on display and build a presidential museum. And I said, well, gosh, you know, there, there's lots of presidential museums. But what if we did a presidential culinary museum? And we focused on all the funny foods that they ate because then we could make like a TV series off of that. And people would want to stay at the inn, the end of the Patriots and sleep, but they could see the museum. See, so this is how this all got started 12 years ago. And it just took off like a shot. It was, you know, has been wildly successful. People absolutely love it. Yeah. And our, t our TV series, um, which airs a lot of times uh, will go to WBTV, CBS television here. Okay. Um, our biggest supporter in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, people have said the same thing too. Your, your TV series is hilarious. It's so entertaining seeing what they're eating, you know? So yeah, that's how it all came together. Wow. That's, that's super cool. So are you on, uh, have you made it onto like Netflix or any place that I can go see it, uh, in, you know, binge it a little bit? Uh, I'll be honest with you. Um, you can just sit there on YouTube. We throw it up on our big screen. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so, yeah. you know, we'll, we have YouTube on our TV, but we'll, sometimes we'll use the phone and, and project it up onto the, the TV, what we yep. want to watch and everything is in, in high definition. It's all very professionally done. Just, just as if, you know, I mean, we've been on CNN, PBS, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, um, specials and mini series have been shot about us and all of that is now just on YouTube. Mm. So um, very easy to, to do. If you just go to our TV series, it's called inside the president's cabinet. 
So inside the president's cabinet.com. And we've had folks tell us like, dude, I watched you for three hours. I watched like all the seasons, just let it rip. And it was freaking hilarious. So uh, it's free. Feel free to binge watch this weekend. Yeah, I bet my kids will love it. That's they they love cooking shows, so I, it just kind of would fit right in there. So, and and I mean honestly, you get to see Trump's meatloaf sandwich, you get to see Hillary's salad dressing, uh, um, her favorite mango vinaigrette that I invented for her. Um, people love watching Nixon's, you know, half ground pork and half ground beef meatloaf that Pat used to make for them. Oh, wow. But then they'll laugh to death when I mention things like. President Bush, H.W. Bush, um, he would tell people in the Oval Office, oh, hey, get a cookie off the tree while you're here. And they were like, one of the ornaments, Mr. President? Yeah, they're edible, edible ornaments. Get one, get a couple. <laughs> they, were, they were like, um, oh, come on, stop it. You're afraid he would go over and, and go ahead, bite one, just bite one. Just don't bite through the, the, the little dangler, but bite it. You know, take a couple more, take some home. And, and so Nancy Clark, our florist, who was in charge of that, said every damn time he would step out of the Oval Office, which was five, seven, eight times per day, we would run in there and repopulate the tree because it was bare. So, so these are just funny, funny things that we think are hilarious. Oh, that is. Oh, I find that very funny as well. Oh, funny. So, so you've met, so Sophia Lauren, I saw on your website, Cheryl Crow, Steve Jobs, Bon Jovi's, Nicholas Cage, all those people. And you got to hang out with them and uh, serve them food. That's just pretty neat. It is. It is. Uh, John Bon Jovi showed up that night at the White House for the state dinner. It was the Italian state dinner, in fact, for Oscar Luigi Scaforo, the Italian president. And he didn't come with his wife. He came with his daughter to visit the United States. So they were our honored guests. And John Bon Jovi comes up the driveway. He's actually walking up the driveway. <coughs> Excuse me. And one of the reporters, because they're all out there lined up with their, their sneakers on and their suit coats. And they have like a dress shirt with a tie, but it's, it's shorts underneath. Okay. And running shoes. And you can hear, this is Brit Hume live for the White House State Dinner. It's like, this is Connie Chung. You know, and, and so one of them seen Bon John. John Bon Jovi and said, Mr. Bon Jovi, Mr. Bon Jovi, Mr. Bon Jovi, aren't you John Bon Jovi? Aren't you, are you here for the state dinner tonight? He's like, no, 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 I'm not. I'm sorry. Do I look like him? He he was looking at his wife. His wife's a black belt. She's like, I, do I look like John Bon Jovi? I'm not. I'm actually janitorial crew. And they were calling around to us, our apartments to come over there's been a lot of cancellations for the state dinner and they didn't want it to be empty. He's like, and his wife is like, John, stop it. (laughs) If you're getting hit by your black belt karate wife, you might want to stop it. Uh, He's a short little guy too, (laughs) but it's some of the funny stuff that goes on. That's fantastic. Yeah. So tell tell me a little bit about uh, the business end of it. Like, um, how do you generate revenues? What are some of the side uh, revenue streams that that it sounds like you've done with the TV show and some other stuff? I'd like to get into that a little bit. Yes. So the TV show is evolving and we're looking for more sponsors. We did the whole first series literally with no sponsors. And then, you know, we feel like that's kind of what you have to do uh, because you're not on ABC at eight o'clock at night. Right. You're just not that good. Sorry. Okay, 
Um, so then you, you say, well, like then if I could make it good enough and professionally filmed with bottom third titling and graphics and design and music and all that stuff, you know, it would be awesome and people would see it. So series two, season two, um, we did actually start to get sponsors now. Nice. Uh, one of the biggest ones was Joseph's Pasta, but we also featured Craft. And so uh, for season three, we've already identified, um, this is what you do. You're like, well, you know, what could we do? You know, yeah, yeah. and you sit there and you think, you're like, you know, I'm not anybody special. I'm just a normal person, you know, uh, much like the, the two guys who invented Netflix, okay? One of them borrowed 25 grand from his mom to start Netflix, okay? I mean, you're just an ordinary person. Yeah. And that's something I would say is critical for entrepreneurs. Just remember, that Reed Hoffman and his buddy borrowed 25 grand from mom to start Netflix. Okay. And when they flew to Texas, they were on their last dime. And that was the huge argument that night. Mm. Are we going to waste another $64,000 on the corporate jet? We barely have any money left in the account to fly to Texas and talk to Blockbuster. Oh, wow. And Blockbuster laughed into their face and asked them to leave the building. Okay, because they asked them, what do you think you'd like to have for Netflix? And I think they said something like, you know, maybe 20 million or, or 40 million, you know, possibly 50 if you could go that high. Yeah. And they literally laughed and told them no way. So there was an even worse argument on the way home. I bet. Okay, Because now I told you we could have flown coach. Mm. And we're flying in this dumb corporate jet and we blew all this jet fuel and the pilot's money. So I often tell people when you're thinking, like, what could I do and what would make this good? And so that's what we, we have done now. We were thinking, we were thinking like, well, what does Biden eat? Oh, my gosh. Did some research. One of his favorite sandwiches is from a company called Capriati's. It's called the Bobby, B-O-B-B-I-E. It is a hoagie roll with Thanksgiving Day dinner in it. So we, we oh. contacted Capriati's. There's yeah. a big chain with the headquarters in, in Las Vegas. And they want to film an episode where they're going to show us what the president-elect's favorite item is, this Bobby. So this is what you do to, yeah, to try great. to figure out, like, well, what would I do? So this has been one revenue stream that is really picking up steam, the TV nice. series. Um, another one we just stumbled across, honestly, um, the, the health department lady one day mentioned to me, how come you don't have like the restaurant running and all this stuff, you know? And I was like, well, we don't have enough money to, to do all of the refurbishment of the kitchen. Mm. Hey everybody, Jess here. What if I could help your company find over $100,000 in hidden revenue streams in less than an hour without spending an extra dime on advertising or marketing? Reach out to me at cardzap.thebumpcard.me. Check out the video on Five Steps to Profit and also reach out and we can have a conversation. Thank you. You know, you need all stainless steel, everything, and the three-bay sink and the, the $60,000 dishwasher and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, she said, well, you could teach classes, though, and that would bring people in like 10, 20, 30 per week. I was like, yeah, well, how would I do that? Though? That's illegal. Also, she's like, no, it's not. Not if you're just talking. 
It's like you stand at the head of the class and you talk using your throat and they actually put the food together. They're making their own meal. Okay. Yep. yep. Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) That is true. Okay. You know, so we started cooking classes for another revenue stream. Um, Hundreds of thousands of dollars in cooking classes. Um, 5,074 graduate students at this point. So wow. sometimes I say you stumble across revenue streams. Other times you, you think your way through them, you yep. cultivate them, you grow them. And we're, we're no better than anyone else. We do things that suck. They're stupid and wrong. And we end them immediately or as fast as we can. <laughs> and the ones that are really great, you know, you accentuate them. <laughs> do more of those. That makes people happy. The reviews went up to like 4.8. Okay. Nice. So, so uh, th- this is probably maybe one of the most important questions ever. Pineapple on pizza, good or bad? Love it. <laughs> wife, wife doesn't like it. I and my daughter love it. I love it too. <laughs> <laughs> you know the ham, the pineapple, the Hawaiian style. Yeah. So yes, that's my one of my favorites. So yeah, no, yeah. I know. It just popped in my head. I had to ask it. It has nothing to do with the podcast really, but just had to know. So, <laughs> well, we also have had battles here about how you fill the dishwasher oh. and depending on our chefs they're like, you don't, well, at my home, you don't do it that way. All the forks go in and the knives handle first down. And if my wife was here to see how you're doing it, I'm like, dude, I'm actually, it was on the today show. It's a study that if you mix them up and down, it's the best way to wash them. So it's neither all down nor up. Okay. But, but whatever. <laughs> you got to listen to the science, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's the, that's the theme everywhere now is listen to the science. So, but, uh, oh, that's, that's awesome. Well, I, I'll be honest. I, I think we could talk for another two hours, but I know, uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm supposed to let you go here shortly. So, um, I just really appreciate um, talking. I hope to have you on again, because I, I, honestly, you have so much wealth of knowledge. I'd love to share with people. It, it's a it's a little different perspective because most of, you know, most of the guys I work with are just, you know, are not just, but are, you know, best-selling authors and things like that. And I know you've also written nine books. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, the cookbooks are all for sale on, on Amazon and on our yeah. website. You'll see them in our shop. Yeah. Um, also, the, the WLS up there on the on the corner, that's World Leader Summit. Okay. Um, our next big summit is March, the Women's Summit, 8th to 10th. Nice. And then our big meeting in London this year is November 7th to 16th. And uh, the logos um, uh, down at the, the bottom, let me see which way is the bottom, that, that way. Yeah, <laughs> the, the the first gold logos are for the ATM machines that drop gold bars out of the bottom. So um, if anybody wants to use their crypto to get gold, uh, please take a look at us. Firstgoldusa.com. Yeah. Well, real quick, can you tell me a little bit about crypto? Because uh, we were talking before the thing, and I was going to ask you about that, and then I totally forgot. Um, can you, you said you had a special way to explain blockchain for me. I've had a lot of people mention, like, having a cook explain blockchain has been, like, unbelievable. Because you talk really simple like a blue-collar person. <laughs> and if they could teach you, a guy that flips meat for a living and makes salads, how to explain blockchain, and you get it please tell us what it's all about. So, so, 
Uh, I often use this weird analogy that many people around the world have written to me about and say, like, I've never had anybody use that type of explanation. Okay. It's always a hedge fund manager at TEDx and I'm still lost. Okay. Yeah. So in the old days, let me tell you, we would have um, our German grandmothers come over from Germany and they would come over as immigrants and they, they kept a ledger, the books, okay, yep. from the German bank account back home. And they would call very expensive, like $100 on the phone once every two weeks, just to do like a 20-minute call. Mm. Yeah, well, what did you put for the 15th? And, and okay, so you did, okay, I did check here in America. I draw a check for $8.38 US dollar. Then next one I do was for $9.46 to the Kinsel's brothers. Then the next one. And they would use a phone to keep two sets of books, to keep the books balanced, mm. to keep the ledger balanced back in Germany at the bank. Okay. And this is done and how things, you know, and you had to get on the phone and tell them like what you did. This was how things were done. Yep. And that's how you kept your books balanced across the ocean. Well, okay. blockchain does it with the computer. So if you go on to the computer and you buy something like Bitcoin and you just say, like, I'm going to get in on this. OK, I can't take it anymore. around Thanksgiving last year, 2019 or, or 2020 Thanksgiving. It was down to like 17,000 something. You know, today it's 25, 26,000. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to throw a hundred bucks at it, babe. Okay. Okay. Go online with your credit card. Well, when you do that transaction, it writes to the block chain in 10 minutes worldwide. Tens of thousands of computers record that transaction, making it unhackable all around the world. Okay. It is the block chain. Okay. So now I'll tell you what banks do today on earth and why banks are so dangerous. Okay. Because they have all their computers in one building where all the transactions are being recorded. So guess what some hacker does? They attack that one building, mm, yep. change all the records, hack it, destroy it. Okay. Or add money to an account and hope that they don't notice it. Maybe they only do 50,000 once a month, but after two years, that account is, you know, and that is the problem with having all of your computing in one location. Okay. Okay. It's very dangerous. With the blockchain, it's computers, tens of thousands of computers, more powerful than all the computing power of Google. Tens of thousands of computers all around the earth. It is a chain and you cannot move from one link to the other without getting permission and it compares all the books and all the ledger immediately. Mm. And it says, uh-uh, that's a fake transaction. And you know what it'll do? It'll say, well, let me check with another thousand computers in front of you. And all of them come back quickly and say, fake, 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 fake. Mm. Well, let me go the chain this way towards China and check with like 5,000. All of them come back saying it's, it's fake. It's a fraudulent transaction. Okay. And this is the strength of having a chain that records every transaction and shares it across tens of thousands of computers around the world. The, the most lucky you would get would be maybe to hack into a couple hundred and you try to, but you're not going to hack the entire chain. It's impossible to do. Yeah. And it's really the strength of it is through cryptology and very advanced cryptology. So 
this is what banks don't have today. Um, at the very most, the bank will tell you like, oh, no, no, we don't have it all in one building. That guy's nuts. We, we have it in like five or six. It's like, oh, really? Five or six? So that makes me, that's, yeah, you know. Yeah, a little better. It's like the, the, when the guy was talking, the cook was talking, he said there were tens of thousands of <laughs> copies of the record all over the earth on six continents. And to me, that sounded a lot safer, that cook, when he was talking. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it but, is a lot safer. Oh, wow. so, okay. so that's why that. you're now seeing whole cities, Jess. You're seeing whole cities um, moving all of their emergency services to the blockchain mm. because it is safer and it is more redundant. And they're, they're, they're stopping printer. You know, they've gotten rid of the last printer was all over the Wall Street Journal. Mm. The last printer for papyrus was removed from the police bill. They're not going to print stuff on papyrus anymore. <laughs> they're just not. Mm. Wow. So can you, so I get the balancing and the, the security of it all. So why, why does your money increase or decrease based on a, like a stock market? It's got the SEC worried. <laughs> why does it increase? It's the same thing with stocks. The SEC has said we are going to inject and interject and start to regulate this thing just like the stock market because it is out of control and it needs to be watched and the speculation of going up and down and what something's worth this thing has it has proven itself that it is so dangerous and so valuable that the sec has said we are going to regulate blockchain mm. and and the united states has said and they're working on it every day right now they're going to release a united states digital dollar and so is the eu I think within this first quarter of 2021, you're going to see the EU digital coin is released. And, and that is only if China doesn't beat the entire world to releasing the first sovereign wealth digital coin. Mm. So a lot of us have said, well, hey, you know, since the digital coin is coming everywhere, digital money is coming and it's going to be released by the countries. The big concern is, well, then forget about printing money because <laughs> it's already worth nothing. It's mm. not even backed by gold anymore. Right. These guys are actually going to go into a computer and, oh, there you go, $2 billion. That's got a lot of people concerned yeah. that countries will be able to do that. Okay. Like um, the other thing. The blockchain or something. Yeah, it'll be on the blockchain. You know, our ATMs are on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, but the, the other thing that has you know, been mentioned is, well, what if we charged a little tiny, teeny, tiny, teeny tax? What if it was like 0. 0.0001 of every transaction? And when they checked out on a calculator, um, that was enough to like wipe out the entire 30 trillion debt for the United States. Wow. Just the first year of doing a tiny little, tiny little tax. Because that is the big problem with paper currency and coinage. It's virtually untaxable. That's why people love it. Yeah. You can pay your lawnmower boy. You can pay people under the table. You can tell Robbie, your, your college buddy, look, I know you're down on your luck. I'm actually flush. Come on over to the house. You're going to work here for like the next two years. What do you think? 40 bucks per hour. I got a lot of dough right now. I hit a small inheritance or the lottery, or I made a lot of money over the past couple of years. 
I love you to death, Robbie. Just, you know, what do you think? 40, 50 an hour? You know, well, the only one thing you never mentioned was you were going to pay Robbie with cash. You know, so this is a lot of untrackable money. There's about 1.7 trillion in, in U.S. dollars in float at any one time. Mm. And about 80% of that is $100 bills. So, you know, there's a lot of money floating out there that's not taxable. And people have said, if we do eventually, even if it's by the year of 2040, and we have the digital dollar, and paper currency is gone, Mm -hmm. you know, um, couldn't we just tax that with a tiny, 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 every transaction, like 0.00001 cent, it actually adds up to trillions of dollars, bro. Wow. It would pay for a lot of stuff that people have never before known where, where is all of this tax money coming from? Mm. It's coming from because they got rid of the paper monies Mm. and they said by the year 2040 that they were going to do it. Now we've got all this tax base where we got the firehouses, we got free medical care for everybody, free prescription, a free heart, you know, free college, where did all of this money come from? Mm. Because they got rid of the papyrus. No more paper money. That's where it came from. Everything became trackable. Every transaction on earth. I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's interesting. <laughs> Is it good? Is it bad? You know, right. that's the question. Right. We need to talk about it. Yeah, I've heard people saying, like, I think they call it a fiat uh, digital currency is bad or something and then yeah we call paper money fiat currency it it literally means it's backed by nothing and worth nothing Mm. because in 1972 president nixon came on tv on sunday night and luckily disney wasn't on that night so he didn't interrupt my disney show but it's a wonderful world of disney but he come on tv live and he said we've been having some secret meetings at camp david all weekend long and we are ending backing our money with gold we're yeah. ending it today and we are not going to pay another country that calls us on the phone and says you know oh excusez-moi i am a president of france we want to turn in uh, 50 million of your dollar to get the gold well, we had several countries that had done that mm. the freak nixon out Several countries that called on the phone and said, we, we got together all of your rag, your dollar, the green rags, mm-hmm. and we have them stacked with rubber bands in containers on a ship. We are sailing the ship to America to turn them in for like $35 million in gold. Oh, wow. And so, you know, um, this was getting pretty bad. Pretty bad. So uh, do you have any tips on uh, like, so, so somebody like me, that's not been real big into uh, actually acquiring digital currency. Um, I think I have, there's a, I actually did advise on a company called streamy.com, which basically does blockchain to video. It's like YouTube with, with digital currency built into it. And so I have some, some money from that, I guess, um, which can be traded in for Ethereum or something, I think. Um, But is there, um, like where, where, sh- where should I put up my money or do I want to buy coins that are the cheap ones that are someday have a potential or do I want to get Bitcoin because it's more secure? Or what's the, what's your tips? So, so first of all, let me give you some tips for an awesome recipe from the cook. Okay. okay? <laughs> first of all, you want to make sure you go to the Android store or the iPhone store 
and do the authorized trust wallet. Authorized okay. Trust wallet. I'm Make right sure that you download the trust wallet. It is the authorized trust wallet. Okay. And it'll say this is the authorized download, whether you're an Apple aficionado or an Android aficionado. Okay. Um, and once you get your trust wallet, it's going to run you through some paces and don't skip the security phase. Okay. When it says to write down the 15 words, okay, write them down. random 15 words, write it down on a piece of papyrus and put that in a safe and lock it up or your hidden book on the bookshelf or whatever you're into. Okay. Some people even have these can safes, you know, you unscrew the bottom of the shave cream yep, yep. and they've got their pearls in there, whatever you're into, yep. but save that piece of paper because if you lose your phone or whatever happens to you, um, that piece of paper is what's going to restore your wallet with all the money you have in it immediately. Okay. If you lose that piece of paper, you're in trouble. you are out to lunch, bro. You're never getting anything. Okay. So do not lose your, your code. And, and what we call that is on a cell phone, we call that a soft wallet. Okay. Let me, let me see if I can get that. Yeah. So if it's on your phone, it's, it's like a leather wallet. We call that a soft wallet. Okay. So money you keep on this phone, cause you're going to Vegas or whatever, you keep a little bit of money on here. Okay. If you have a lot of crypto and you've been doing really well and in investing and you're staking claims and you're growing it. And it's, it's like, Oh my gosh, man, I can't believe what's happening. Okay. Um, Morgan Stanley, a friend of mine, uh, Manuel, he was telling me he took uh, $9,000 of a client's money in 2004, put it into Bitcoin. They just cashed out for 375,000. Wow. Okay. So he's like, that's Marty. That's a client for life. Yeah. <laughs> I took $9,000. I'm like, Manny, I heard you. Okay. So <laughs> he turned it into 375. So we keep a little bit of money on here on the soft wallet. If you have a lot of crypto, then you're going to want to get a hard wallet. And this is usually a stick. And the best one is a Trezor. T-R-E-Z-O-R. Okay. Trezor hard wallet. So if, as you start to grow and you make more money, you know, you're going to want to have some of that money on a hard wallet. And maybe you move a little bit of it at a time. Uh, what do you think, sweetie? Yeah, you know, we're going to go down to the beach. Let me let me drag because they have you just look up on online. Do yourself a favor on Google or, or Bing or AOL or Yahoo or whatever you're into. Um, look up, you know crypto ATM near me and you'll see them. They're like, doo, 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 doo. Oh my gosh, there's, there's one at the liquor store just down the street at, you know, at the dollar general, they have a crypto ATM. They're all around you. Oh, wow. So you, you may say like, you know what, babe, I'm just going to drag a, um, like a thousand bucks off the hard wallet onto my cell phone to bring on the trip. Hmm. Okay. And I'm just for fun. I'm thinking I'm going to use it to pay for some dinners. I found a couple of restaurants that take crypto um, and I'm going to hit a couple of ATMs and get cash out, you know? Uh, so this is a growing phenomenon and people are shocked when they see uh, my wife looked it up one night. She's like, there must be 200 crypto ATMs all around us. Wow. In a laundromat, they're all over the place at the truck stop as, they're all over the place, you know. Oh, look here in Shelby and Blacksburg and Gaffney. So you plug so, that into the ATM? Yeah. 
You, you actually, if you walk up to the ATM, um, it's going to run you through a transaction. Okay. This is also something that I was showing live on Genesis Day with our gold ATMs from First Gold USA. Yeah. It generates, this is not what a bank does. Banks on earth, you have a plastic card, you put it into the machine, and you have a PIN number. It's generally four digits. It is one of the most unsafe methods you could ever use to get cash out of an ATM. Okay. When you do it with, with crypto, it generates with the camera a QR code that is unique every single time. It's a brand new QR code. Okay. This is simple things that people know about. They're like, oh my gosh, yeah. It, it makes a fresh one, Marty, every time. I'm like, yes, a brand new code to do the transaction every time. You don't have a card that could be stolen in your wallet. You don't have the same PIN number that you use all over the place. How many of us have been ripped off and hacked? Yep. You know, they, what, you know what happens? You get it in the mail. It comes in the mail. Here's your new credit card from the bank. Yep. You know, uh, you were, look, that's a, that's a Grover Cleveland $1,000 bill. Yeah. I thought that I saw Grover there. Can you, there you, go, yeah. can you see? <laughs> a little bit hard to see. Yeah. With the virtual background, but it's fine. Yeah. So, 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 you know, that's what happens. You get in the mail, like, here's your new card. Your card was hacked. Then you got to go through and change all your auto pays. And this has happened to more people. I, trust me, I own an inn. It's very alarming to me to see how many people every, like I'm talking 70% of our guests telling me, oh, no, I, my card, I got a new one from the bank. I've got to give you a new one to pay for the, yep. the final. Well, it's like, oh, gosh, because you're like the 256th person who's told me that in three weeks time. Yeah, wow. You really start to see on the inside what they're not telling us because I happen to be an innkeeper. Mm. And when I start hearing that hundreds and hundreds of times from people, and it's all kinds of banks, it's Wells Fargo, it's Bank of America, it's it's Truist, it's, it's yeah. all kinds of, Bank of the Ozarks, it's all kinds of banks. So it's like, how could this be happening? It's because it's unsafe. Mm. The way they're doing things is unsafe, and, and they're trying to tell you that blockchain is crazy and for lunatic punks, snot-nosed kids, and you're a nut job, when actually those are all fraudulent, fake lies. The banks are trying to figure out, like, what are we going to do right. if, if they don't need us anymore? Mm, yeah. Now, Tron, Justin Sun, who owns Tron, is doing loans on blockchain. Oh, the entire country of Nigeria has just put down a mandate because all the banks near went out of business. No one is using their money any longer oh, wow. in the entire country. Everyone is using blockchain. Their entire currency has become completely not used by anybody. Millions of people uh, yeah. said we're out. So it's a huge problem and they're scared. They are scared about what's happening. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of changes for sure coming out of that. So, wow. Absolutely. Well, you've done it. The cook has explained it in a way I can understand better. It's, you got it, man. And you just need someone who's, who's you know, willing to be friendly with you and not stand up there. And, well, uh, uh, a distributed ledger, you know, using all these fancy words and, uh, you know, DeFi is all about it. So it's like, well, what, what did he say DeFi? Non-distributed non ledger. Um, uh, it's, uh, 
you can't even write the stuff down quick enough to look up like what are all the meanings of these words. Yeah. That is the problem. Do you have any tips on, I keep getting approached by people to mine Bitcoin or mine Ethereum. What's what's mining mean or what does that mean? So mining is really where you're figuring out algorithms. And I don't really recommend this for anybody unless you're a mathematical genius and you want to put in the time you know, some, some homes you go into them, they've actually got 70, 80 computers running in a whole room. Mm. And these things are formulaically, algorithmically attacking certain equations, trying to crack. Um, there's other people that process transactions, you know, on the blockchain, and that's how they get paid okay. to process the transactions. But unless you're like a real techie geek and you enjoy that type of work, it's you know, I always tell people, do what you love. Yeah. If, if you're able to make money off your hobby, um, you are a lucky person. And and my hobby always was cooking. So you know, I pursued it with reckless abandon. Perfect. That's awesome. Well, can you tell us one last time, just a couple places to find you? And um... Yes. So the Inn of the Patriots in Grover, North Carolina, www.theinofthepatriots.com. And uh, look me up. My LinkedIn address is right there. Look me up on LinkedIn. Say hi. Uh, you were the nutto that I watched on the YouTube thing with, with uh, Jess. And uh, I will definitely friend you up. So uh, as long as you behave, um, I'm cool. Uh, I, I really don't get rid of maybe one person, I think, a quarter on my LinkedIn who misbehaves. So yep, it happens. That's for sure. So we're all here to help each other. Awesome. Well, hey, everybody, thank you so much for uh, listening to this episode. It was uh, definitely a doozy. I really enjoyed it. And um, make sure you look up Martin, get his books online. We'll have some links to some of his books uh, somewhere in the notes. And uh, I want to thank you again. Make sure you like, subscribe, and uh, share this with your friends. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you on the next one. Thank you so much. Thank you.